Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and RadioWorks. I wanted to get a greater understanding from advertisers directly about how behavioural changes have impacted their business over the last couple of years. And I fear that nobody's been more affected recently than the theatrical industry. So I wanted to talk to Simon Delaney, the Group Director of Marketing at Hartshorn Hook Enterprises and Immersive Everywhere. Hello, Simon. Welcome. Hello, Adam. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Are you ready? Are you good? I'm, I'm all good. Ready to go. Excellent. Thank you. So after the last 20-something or so years, and you know we can say that now, unfortunately, um, you've been very focused on entertainment. Was that always a deliberate thing for you? Did you know that you were going to be doing this? Um, not, not at all. Um, I'm, I, I actually had uh, no idea that the kind of roles that I've done for pretty much the last twenty years existed. You know, I knew that if you were going to put a, if you were going to put a show on, um, you know, I knew you had to have a director, and you probably had to have a producer, and you had to have a cast on stage, and you know, people that would sort out the lighting and various other bits. But in terms of how that show or any live entertainment was brought to market in terms of how the public knew about it, how you sold a ticket for it. Um, no, that wasn't something I'd considered at all. I'd, while I was at university, I mean, I was very interested in theatre. I formed a private theatre company. I took two shows to Edinburgh in two consecutive years for the full, for the full month. Um, so I had a sort of like taste, enjoyed it. I quickly realised that I was much better sort of behind the scenes organising it than being out in front and, and, and trying to act in them. Um, but yeah, it's just always a world that's um, always a world that I, I had enjoyed, but hadn't really considered the possibility of a, a career in it. Um, and as you know, when I left university, my f- first job was at um, Virgin Radio back in the back in the old days of, um, of Chris Evans, which is um, where you and I met indeed um, a very long, a very long time ago. Um, and so it was only really as a result of spending three years there um, and working across a combination of sales and sponsorship that I actually got to meet a few people who were working in that kind of creative sector. Um, and then as my next move after Virgin Radio joined a what was then a very small marketing and advertising agency specialising in theatre called um, AKA. Um, and uh, they're taking on a couple of shows and, and, and really learning about what happens for marketing and ticketing for a couple of small West End shows. I worked on Fame the Musical to begin with and Saturday Night Fever, a play called Stones in His Pockets. Um, 
and and just sort of starting to to understand um you know how a show is launched what kind of advertising it does how tickets should be priced um and then during that time um i mean aka grew pretty significantly um and so i, I was there when AKA won the pitch for Billy Elliot, the musical, mm -hmm. uh, working for working title films and um, David Furnish and Neil Vick. And I think that was really a pivotal moment for both what was then a sort of the fledgling agency and, and me, because that was a massive win. We're suddenly yeah. working with these, these really important people and clients. So I remember being in the boardroom at working title and I was surrounded by, you know, I had Eric Fellner was there, David Furnish was there, um, Stephen Daldry, the director was there, Tim Bevan was there. And so I was slightly pinching myself going, I'm, I'm, I'm chairing this marketing meeting and bringing my ideas and strategy, supported by you know, other members of the, of the agency. But I was like, I, I'm in a room with someone like the smartest brains in the entertainment industry in Britain, and they're listening to me. So I really hope I'm not full of shit and pulling this off. Unfortunately, I mean, Bill Elliott was, uh, was a raging success. I mean, I think down to the, the strength of the production and hopefully the marketing and ticketing strategy had some element of, of that as well in terms of um, how people um, responded to it. Um, so, no, I, I very much just sort of fell into it by accident and had I had, a, had a series of really great, successful um, moments. Um, I left left AKA for three years, which is when, or sorry, about two years, which is when we worked together at, at Target, but um, ultimately sort of couldn't stay away from the, the pull of live entertainment and went back to AKA, who had grown into a much bigger organisation um, and then started working across a number of other big shows. So, you know, I did things like uh, I worked on Jersey Boys for nine years. I went back to work on Billy Elliot. Um, to be perfectly honest, I think I've lost count of the number of you know, West End musicals, plays um, that I have uh, you know, that I have worked on and opened. Um, and, you know, some some have been successful, some have not been successful. If uh, if you could capture the, or if you could completely understand the thing that captures the public imagination and what turns something into a massive smash hit, I mean, like we wouldn't be sitting here talking because I'd be having to phone in for my private villa in Barbados, having retired a number of years ago. <laughs> and there, and there, genuinely, there is you know there is a you can do all sorts of research into audiences and insights and behaviours and pricing. But there is just there's always that final little something that just is a little magic ingredient that so I've I've worked on things that are absolutely wonderful pieces of theatre, which have just failed to find an audience. And I've sat and watched other shows that I kind of go, Jesus, that's two and a half hours of my life. I'm not getting back. This is utter rubbish. And yet it's got people falling over themselves to get a ticket. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, there just there, is, there isn't really a you know there isn't there isn't there isn't one definitive thing that you can say this is what makes a theatre show successful um but then that's been part of the challenge i think that's why i stayed in it that's why it's yeah. it's lured me back and um well uh, you know now after leaving aka 18 months ago i've been working more specializing in the immersive sector um for a couple of reasons one of which was uh you know actually while the rest of the theatre industry was so badly affected by um coronavirus that it just stood you know really stood still for a couple of years yeah. nothing happened um the immersive sector was able to keep going because it was able to operate with social distancing um and so I thought, well, it's, it's a good chance to keep moving and keep learning. Um, and also, you know, an opportunity to stay employed when so many people, you know, 80 plus percent of people associated with the theatre industry lost their jobs in the pandemic. Um, and so I was I was fortunate that, you know, I was able to I was able to, to, you know, to keep working and keep going in that time while, while learning new skills about a, you know, a sector that I was aware of, but didn't have much experience of spending any time. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Do you feel that the, the immersive theatre is taking off? Yes, I, I do. I think it's, um, it's, it's growing really rapidly. Um, you know, like Immersive Everywhere are producing uh, Doctor Who Time Fracture. Um, they've also got a production of The Great Gatsby. Um, just before Christmas, we announced a production um, called Peaky Blinders, The Rise, which is based on Peaky Blinders, uh, as you'd expect. Um, there's also, t- uh, I know other people are doing Tomb Raider, the live experience. Um, there's DC, have got Arkham Asylum, which is you know, a Batman-based immersive project, which is opening in, in Vauxhall. There's Punch Drunk, who, of course, are world famous with Sleep No More in New York and um, probably the probably the, the market leaders in terms of, you know, how does immersive theatre work? They're opening Burnt City at their new premises in, in Woolwich. It's it's rapidly growing. Um, I mean, and audiences are growing with it as well. I mean, I think the, the big difference between immersive theatre and traditional theatre is that immersive theatre is, is something you do. It's not something you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there is crossover with traditional theatre goers, but like core immersive theatre attendees tend to be younger and people who are sort of looking for an experience um, and, and ultimately to sort of be, be a part of the to, to be a part of the story and be a part of the narrative. So it's a bit more kind of yeah, choose your own adventure and more in a 3D storytelling space. It's not, it's not you know, a thousand people sitting in the dark looking at a cross-arch stage for two hours. So is, is it taking audience away from the West End or is this a, a brand new audience and a brand new entertainment media that you're inventing? I, th- I think I think it's mostly brand new. I mean, I think for a lot of people, if you're if if you're interested in theatre, then it's it's an extension of that. It's another way of experiencing theatre. Most people who come to the West End are you know they're they're in it um, you know they're in it once a year, maybe once every two years. They're normally coming for a special occasion, so it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, and they're probably in the market for a musical. and 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 that and that that tends to be the backbone of the West End in terms of a domestic audience. Um, slightly different outside of a pandemic across things like the summer holidays, where obviously the tourist industry is is really big. So, I think the growth of the immersive sector won't take anything away from traditional West End, but I think it will it will compete for the attention of those people who are experience seekers so particularly that younger audience who will be very interested in coming to you know jay gatsby's party at the great gatsby and having a few drinks and, and watching a story unfold around them but they also might be you know they're just as likely to be going to a you know a bar pop-up and a 
you know, car park in Peckham. While there's a lot more, while, while there's a lot more of them, um, getting their attention is a bit is, is a bit harder because there's so much other noise in that market and so many people vying for. You know, for their attention. Well, indeed, and and with you know with, with the change in behaviour of the public over the last couple of years of being less mobile, more homebound, have you found that you've had to look at different ways of engaging with consumers to get them along? Well, I think without yeah, without doubt, the the, the tradition I mean traditional inverted commas sort of forms of advertising of how live entertainment used to reach people. I mean, changed pretty rapidly. Well, London Underground. I mean, it used to be a stalwart, <laughs> didn't it? But it absolutely did. And suddenly, um, you know, that's all that that volume of people who were going through the London Underground and just those those eyeballs that were there. You know, just every day, just 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 weren't there anymore. I mean, for a while it didn't matter because the shows were, you know, the shows were closed and the theatres were closed and there wasn't anything to go anyway. But we found in the, you know, in the immersive sector, when we were able to open with social distancing in place and and masks and 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 everything else, actually, yes, the ways of trying to reach people. I mean, everything had shifted pretty immediately to be in a digital environment, but that also meant everything had and a lot of the feedback that we were getting was that the, the digital that any digital space because that was the only place that people were really kind of interacting with anything either paid social or organic social or programmatic but actually that was the one place where everyone was just being absolutely bombarded so we were very conscious of being in that environment because it's really the only environment that people are interacting with but at the same time you know people clearly developing digital fatigue quite early on of just being constantly overwhelmed by stuff um, yeah. whenever they're engaging with their screens which is pretty much the only thing that was that was available to do so that then became about actually trying to do some clever content um and try and explain to people exactly what they could expect from the experience and while at the same time trying to reassure people that actually we've taken every possible step we can to be, you know, to create a safe environment um, for you to come in. So it was a really complicated series of messages to try and to try yeah. and unpack to people in that period. Gosh, I remember talking to you through throughout it and you, you got hit with floods and you got hit with COVID, obviously. And Well, it, well Do Dr. Who was particularly, um, uh, was particularly unlucky. So, I mean, like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a BBC licensed production. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it is extraordinary. It's, um, it's 17 different worlds. It's in a 3,000 uh, square meter space. There's 40 actors. Um, there's you know, The whole experience lasts about two and a half hours, but there's probably about 18 hours worth of content. Wow. Um, you sort of choose your own adventure as you go through it um, in terms of who you interact with, how you interact with people. Um, and it's impossible to do it all in one go. So the scale of it is, is absolutely enormous. Um, got lots of Doctor Who fans really, really excited. Um, and we also always had a massive family audience. And it was something that pe people were coming from around the country, um, like 40% of bookers were coming from outside London and South East, which is highly unusual for, for London entertainment. Normally in year one, you'd expect 85, 90% to be from London South East and 15% from outside. So this wow. sort of had national reach right away, which I think is the power of, of Doctor Who. But we knew the holiday periods were going to be important. So... We were gearing up for what was going to be, and having having been delayed and been delayed and pushed pushed it back due to COVID, um, we were about to have an absolutely amazing, you know, summer holidays, really really booked out, um, and then a Victorian storm drain um, just down the road from us um, broke um, and uh, emptied its contents into uh, on half our set, which is set below the set below ground floor. So. Uh, 
yeah, we had a massive setback while that had to be um, taken out, dried out. Environmental health had to come out and check that all the brown water that we had on the set was, in fact, just brown water. Oh, nice. Nothing yeah. more sinister. Fortunately, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, that, that, so that meant the whole, the whole set had to, be, had to come in, be dried out. The storm drain had to be fixed. We had to put preventative flooding measures in place. So that, that delayed us for five months, which was you know, a real shame. Um, uh, the worst time as well. And then, so then we sort of shifted our attention to say, great, well, let's, let's be back open for Christmas. Christmas holidays will be really, really big. Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's, let's get it back up and running. Yep, really nicely sold. Christmas holiday is going to be fantastic. And then, of course, with the rise of uh, Omicron, just meant that uh, everybody in a, in a desperate bid to save Christmas just stopped going out. People, yeah. just, people just, stopped, just stopped doing stuff. Um, and so we just had an overwhelming range of people saying, you know, can I move my booking? Can I have a refund? So it was only really um, the February half term just gone that the show has really had the opportunity to you know, to be the best it can be with with a, with a nice full, with a nice full audience coming through it. Really, and, really, and really how did it go? Brilliantly. I mean, two, you know, the two best weeks of the run so far. We're now looking ahead, really focused on Easter, and then it'll be you know making the most of the summer holidays after that. You know, kind of state of the world and future variants notwithstanding. So um, with two and a half hours of an experience of, the, of that evening or, or, or that event, but with 18 hours of content, are you getting people coming back again and again and again to experience everything? Yeah, so we're finding we, we have a repeat booker scheme in place. Um, so we want to recognise and reward people who who, who come. Um, so if you if you come a second time, um, we give you we give you a sort of special um, in world kind of pin badge, um, which you get a colour. So if you come to, if you come twice, you get a pin badge, and you get a stamp on your. We give you a, a what we call a returning hero passport. Um, so you get a stamp on that. Um, when you come a fourth time, um, you get a different coloured pin badge. When you come a sixth time, you get a different coloured pin badge, and an eighth and tenth, um, and we've already got people who've got their their their, their tenth badge um, really? from from having from having come back but they come in and they, and they when they come and visit um when they come back to to see doctor who they they wear them so it is a it is a literal badge of honor of the number of, the number of times you've seen the show and how much and how much of a fan you are um and there's also there's there's sort of a, a community that's sprung up of sort of quite dedicated doctor who fans who have started sharing information with each other about how to get to certain bits so there's there's a few secret bits in world like you can find davros who is the leader of the daleks but actually getting to him is quite complicated so they they started sort of sharing hints and tips and tricks and all sorts of things in terms of you know go left rather than right make sure wow. you make sure you interact with you know, with that character and then you'll get you know, you'll get to see this special bit you'll get to Torchwood you know or whatever it is so, which actually is, is sort of nice to have you know, it's really cool because then it takes on a life of its own as well yeah and, and we find that we find that with other things that we do like you know the Great Gatsby has um, and you know, a not not dissimilar um, sort of fan base behind it of, of people who yeah share, you know share information about oh actually what you know what happened what happens and I've never managed to get into that room what happened you know, what happens in there how do, you know, how do I do it um, and I think um I, mean, I think while both of those shows have been really big and really successful, I think I think Peaky Blinders is going to is, is going to go absolutely nuts in terms of like ex exciting the fans and the scale of it is going to be is going to be huge. So I think it's I think it's going to sort of you know take it take it up a level for the immersive sector once more. Wow! So there, there's a big behavioural change here then that you've got people going into a, a a new kind of experience of immersive theatre and you've got people coming back and seeing it time and time again. Did you experience that sort of? Um, I'm 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 tempted to use the word obsession, but it's not really what I mean. But you know, did you get people coming back and again and again to some of the theatrical traditional events you were putting on? Yeah, with, without doubts. I mean, every every show develops a seems to develop a core of quite. I mean, obsessive is probably quite a good word, but certainly and it's certainly very very enthusiastic fans. I mean, I I had um, you know when I worked on Jersey Boys, there were. I mean, I I mean I I worked on it for nine years. I probably saw it. 
without exaggeration, 100 plus times. I've, I've, I've completely lost count. But, yeah, well, but... I saw it 100 plus times. Every time I was on a plane, every single time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, but, there were, but there, were, there were fans, you know, who would see it several times a week for years. I mean, like, you know, they would, would quickly turn into, into hundreds. But every, every West End show has that kind of very dedicated um you know, sort of you know, fan base of people who actually are who are quite obsessive about it um and just want to see it over and over and, and over again but i guess you know all, all forms of entertainment probably have that to a degree just maybe maybe this is one of the more more obvious because the person is um is, is physically sat in the space week you know day in day out every week are you able to find them and cluster them and and find look-alike people and and enhance the the marketing of the the event that way the i mean those I mean, those those obsessive fans. I mean, gen- generally quite. I mean, you know, they'll find their way to you because actually they're they're hugely enthusiastic about what's happening in, what's happening in the West End, what's happening in the world of theatre, what's new, what's happening on Broadway, what's being turned into a movie. I mean, that that's sort of what they live and breathe. Um, I mean, they, they they are they form a relatively small percentage of the total number of people who are coming to the West End. Um, and like I said, you know, they'll find their way to you rather than rather than you coming to them the the challenge is more um like i said you know for that person who is coming once a year and they're coming because you know it's their wife's birthday and they want to do something nice how do you persuade them to see you know how to persuade them to see back to the future rather than you know mary poppins or you know, or no or, 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 or something else so that's that's about kind of how you how you narrow down the choice um because because ultimately i mean in normal times and and again relatively soon you know i'm sure we'll talk about it the pandemic has had a a devastating impact on the on the on the theatre industry, but in normal times, as a consumer who is looking to go, yeah, once you know, once a year for a special occasion, the choice you have is 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 absolutely overwhelming. So, um, yeah, the, you know, those 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 the, those are the important people who really who really prop up the core of the West End you know, every night. So, so I've got two questions now, which kind of forks the conversation a little bit because I, I want to ask about the pandemic and and how Theatreland is recovering, but I also want to ask, just out of curiosity, I mean, how would people, for example? Talk to them about Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I mean a lot. A lot of this is. I mean, Back to, Back to the Future is an interesting one because it is a brand new musical that's originated in the UK. Did an out of town tryout in Manchester that went extremely well. Um, then it's obviously now you know opened in a West End that's been absolutely devastated um, and and pretty much um, you know just pretty much stopped overnight. So I think it's got the. I mean, Back to the Future has got the advantage of it's 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 a title that a lot of people know. You know, it's a lot of, you know I I grew up with Back to the Future. Absolutely, absolutely love the movie. So Im- immediate, immediately, I'm bought into the idea of like, okay, that sounds that sounds kind of cool, but okay, it's a musical. So how do I feel about that? But then I noticed they've been been very careful in the marketing that they very quickly had. They put put some of the songs out there, so actually you can be confident that some of the songs that you know and love from the film are in there. But also there's some there's some good new tunes in there in, in there too. Um, they hired a couple of great actors who also you know and produced some really really nice, really fun you know sort of trailers that um, you know, that went out there. And also um, managed to get uh, Christopher Lloyd as well. So they got Christopher Lloyd into a video with the actors, which I think for a lot of the a lot of the fans kind of really legitimised the product. That was I think was a really really smart move to kind of go look you know hey it's it's almost it, it's 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 official. It is an extension of the world that that you that you know and love, um, which I think was a you know, was was was, yeah. was a great reassuring way for that audience who were probably interested but wanted to make sure that you're not taking something 
that they really love and, and you're sort of fucking it up. And <laughs> you're sort of taking it and going, no, actually, it is the thing that you know and love. And actually, we're, we're, we're telling the same story, but we're telling it from a slightly different viewpoint. But everything, it will hit all the markers that you, that you, that you want and need it to. I hear that they've also um, just recently hired a genius in um, theatrical marketing to lead the rollout. Uh, yeah, I will be um, handling the marketing strategy for the London production, but also um, hopefully um, managing the um, transfer of the musical to Broadway. So, which will be again a uh, very exciting proposition for me. I've I've spent a lot of my time and career taking musicals from Broadway and 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 uh, bringing them to the West End, um, and I've not done it in reverse. So, actually, from a from a personal and a professional point of view, it's a it's a really really exciting prospect, which I'm which I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. I'm I'm delighted for you. Thank you very much. With the with the innovation that 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 you are part of and indeed driving in the marketplace, are you seeing that your support marketing? Uh, agencies are, are coping with that? Do they understand how things need to be done? I mean, without doubt, I mean, they, they have also been very badly affected by the pandemic. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I know I was at a, I was at AKA, I was at a you know, global world you know, set or sector leading um, marketing and advertising agency specializing in live entertainment. And we went from um, you know, everything was in everything was in full swing and going great. That within a matter of days, um, everything was pulled, and the turnover of the agency probably dropped to four or five percent of what what it had been previously. And it was and it was very it was was absolutely, um, you know, was was, ab- was absolutely decimated. So I've got I've got a lot of sympathy with agencies in terms of where they are now. That the the world is the world is a very changed place, and a lot of them had to make some extremely difficult decisions around resourcing and personnel and redundancy and the, the kind of services that they offer um, and I think it's been especially hard for those those agencies that were previously full service so like AKA was but everything was under one roof where you would be you know everything down from the creative through to media buying through to audiences and insights all all sat all sat in one place um, and I think coming back the what's going to be required of agencies now is everyone wants a little bit more um, uh, and you know uh, they're asking for more the all of the agencies have got far fewer resources than they had because they haven't you know I've been every agency I can see at the moment is frantically trying to hire people but there's been a whole lot of people who've just walked out you know just walked away from the <laughs> walked away from the industry and gone into other sectors which are frankly you know better paid and more sociable um in terms of hours and you know and and timings um so yeah there's 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 a, there's a there's a real dearth of people um i also think that actually as things come back because people are very cautious productions want to ensure that every pound that they spend is being spent responsibly mm-hmm. and it's been it's been spent because the appropriate level of research and insight has been applied to it that actually I'm going to spend this because this is how it's going to, this is the audience is going to reach and there is absolutely no wastage. Um, and I think some agencies are really well set up to be able to deliver that information and some are not for some, for some people, those audience and insights tools um, are sort of quite basic um, or, or, or not there at all. I mean, there's yeah. a certain, there's a certain amount of, you know, particularly theatre still works a bit on gut instinct, you know, which is a bit like this. I know I've been doing this sort of thing for a long time and it works, it works really, really well. Um, but yeah, there, there isn't necessarily that inherent kind of, no, that back end detail has been done. Um, I think, I think agencies like, uh, like AKA and De Winters were actually really leading the way of, of, of turning 
that around in terms of how they're approaching things. But um, certainly, certainly pre-pandemic, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure still are. But yes, for a lot of other people in the in the sector who are slightly smaller outfits, um, I think that's that's going to be a requirement from from now. I think the old days of yeah, just slap up a load of advertising in London Underground, and fifty yeah. percent of it will probably work. <laughs> so you obviously can't do that anymore. But does the um, does that reset um, and that, and that requirement from the productions to have the money properly accounted for, which is absolutely the right thing to do? Does that drive caution or does that drive innovation in the industry? Which I, where, where do you think that's going to come out? I think probably. I mean, probably a, li- a little of both. I mean, like you, you know, I mean, like you say, you know, the pre- previously it was you know, the London Underground was a, was a was a determining factor, and we found that you know, the digital environment has become much more much more important. What I suspect will happen will be there'll be a there'll be a slow creep back towards you know the the London Underground being a key place for for advertising and i think that would be a combination of um knowing that it works because you know without doubt without that it does as you observed every you know every single every single west end show was up was up there all the time mm. um which on one hand you kind of go god like you know, can't you do anything a bit more interesting well, exactly. now, who knows whether it's working it, it, are you there because everybody else is there or are you there because that's where the audience is and and, it, and it's and it's a little it's a little of both you know without doubt the number of people going through that the number of eyeballs on it going yes this this is a great environment to reach a lot of people the flip side was, you know, the particularly things like those lift and escalator panels where, like, you know, every major musical was up on those. Consciously or subconsciously, a lot of people are picking up their information about, well, what is what is on from those, you know. So in many ways, they started acting like a bit of a notice board for the West End. And yeah. if you if you weren't if you weren't up on those panels, you weren't on in the minds of the you know the public, the person who's thinking about, you know, got to take, got, you know, got to got to book some tickets for my husband because it's his birthday type thing. So. <laughs> yes, fair enough. No, yeah. I, I, I totally get it. And you know, it's advertising for has has always served that to me, specifically in entertainment. You know, the what's on guide was always the classified pages in the back of the NME, etc., and that would inform what I was going to be doing. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, but I think I mean I think everyone is still looking for new and innovative ways to try and um, you know to try and. You know, reach. I mean, reach existing audiences, but new audiences, particularly off the back of you know those those old media formats and channels, you know, not delivering the same the way they would, and understanding that there is a you know because there is an element of digital fatigue, because it's the environment that everybody is in, is is trying. I think it's a lot of it is about trying to make the creative smarter and more personal and more, uh, yeah, just to more appeal to the individual as opposed to just being sort of just blanket, you know, just throw a load of ads out and, you know, some, some of them will probably land and some of them, some of them probably won't. You know? So, for instance, for, for Doctor Who Time Fracture, we really concentrated on producing um, some really great um, sort of in-world videos, sort of like uh, in the EPK B-roll, um, which um, we we produced a 30-second and a 60-second, but we also produced a four-minute trailer. Now, ordinarily, in like the entire time I work in the West End, I mean, like anything, I mean, you might push two minutes, but that would mostly be for press. But generally, anything anything over 60 seconds is, is massively redundant, and most of the time you're dealing with you know far shorter when you're dealing with clips. But we produced a four-minute one because what it enabled us to do was really show what you could expect from the experience and show and show the different worlds um and i was i was really skeptical i really argued with the um with with the with the director who was doing who was doing the edit and i was like no one's going to watch four minutes this is far too long um but actually and he was he was like no no trust me i think you know this this is really this really is the only way of having a central character who was walking through and interacting with different bits and showing the scale of it um and he was absolutely right like people people do really engage with that because i think people particularly in the immersive sector people are 
it's such a subjective word that um, you know immersive just means different things to different people. And what we managed to do with that four minute trailer was to kind of go, this is exactly what you can expect from this experience. This is how you, as a character, will walk through this. Here are the people you encounter. Here are the things that you can expect to see. Um, so it acts as a it acts as a bit of, a, of, a, of an explainer in a way that you know, too. I say too many. Not it's not too many. It's it's a it's a valid word. But immersive means different things to different people. Um, and also different experiences use it to mean different things so some people use immersive and it's an escape room some people use immersive and it's vr some people use immersive and it's um it's it's like uh, punch drunk for instance who i think you know are um, amazingly good theater makers but immersive for them is is if you're if you're an audience member in a, at a punch drunk show you're quite voyeuristic so you're watching what is happening um but yeah, the the action happens sort of whether you're whether you're there or not. We we use the word immersive um, currently for you know, for Doctor Who and Gatsby and for Peaky Blinders. But actually, what immersive everywhere do is is put the audience at the heart of the narrative. So actually, the, the narrative can't happen without an audience member. So actually, it encourages more more interaction. But but all of those things are using exactly the same word to describe yeah. what we you know what are four or five four four or four or five completely different experiences. Uh, are you marrying this up with online as well? Because during lockdown, we did a couple of. Um... Of, of evenings as a group of friends online in different places where we would do online theatre events which were quite fun but they felt very linear given the the opportunity that you've got to explode it out into many different things can you use online for, for i don't know for extra research for extra content for extra secret stuff and then tie it back into the main shows yeah so i think it was, it was really interesting how people engage with that sector there's a um, company called Swamp Motel who do you know, absolutely brilliant work. Who are also, um, who, again, would call themselves immersive, but you know, very much a sort of a, a escape room. But yeah, it's interesting how that's that's that was suddenly brought to life in people. Like you know, we we did, we did a few, um, yeah, we did a few of, of of those as well. And I think it it, it has meant that you know, you've, you've I think you have to create a sort of richer world that people can interact with. You know, so for instance, like for Peaky Blinders, the rise. One of the things that we are doing is actually from the is actually engage with you narratively from the moment you book a ticket so actually you know we'll not rather than just we'll send you a confirmation email with the details in but actually what we want you to do is then click through and we're building a you know a section of the website that effectively you can't navigate to from the main site but behind that you can get all sorts of information not just about what to expect from the experience um but also you know if you want to create your own character backstory um because some i mean most people actually do want to dress up and they want to get involved and i mean you don't have to go full peaky blinder like you know people put a hat on a bit but we're certainly finding as as the sector grows people are embracing it um and you know what uh, we see it at great gatsby you know, um you know what there used to be you know, some people who would who would be properly dressed up in sort of full 1920s gear, but there'd also be the people who come straight from work and are just in, you know, jeans and a hoodie. Um, we're not really seeing those people anymore. I think just off, maybe off the back of two years of pandemic and people being stuck at home. Making people, an effort. People, people yeah. are making an effort and they're up for a party and a really, really wow. good time. So I think... Um, yeah, so we're, so, we're, so we're trying to create a world for people of going, actually, yeah, your journey starts with us the moment you book a ticket and you can go in, you can come back to it, you can create a backstory for yourself, you can find more information. We'll send you, if you want to go and buy a, you know, if you want to go and buy a Peaky Blinder hat and you want to go nowhere, you can go and find a waistcoat. We've got other partnerships, relationships and bits in place. We'll send you off to the right place. So you can Amazing. go and get, so you can go and get all the, all the gear. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be more, um, you know, I think for much more a part of, of the shows that we develop. It's something that, um, I mean, Secret Cinema do that inc yeah. inc inc incredibly well. Um, but I think, you know, we, we, we would like to take it a stage further. I think with Secret Cinema, it's, it's kind of up to you, which is, you know, they'll give you a character and they'll give you a story. Um, and if you engage with that or not, it doesn't really have any 
that impact on you turning up at secret, you know, at secret cinema. What we're, what we're trying to do is weave that into the narrative. So actually, so you, you as your, you as your character and your associations will actually have an impact on on how the story unfolds. So um, great. So, so it sounds amazing, and, it, and it's bringing me back to to being quite young and reading the fighting fantasy books from uh, Ian Livingstone kind of things, where you would invent your own character and you would have your own strength and everything in there. Do you think that, that we can get to that point, that you, you've actually created your own character who is completely central to the experience? I mean, you, you, you actually... Yes, you could. I mean, what we're, what we're designing, and this is, this is still TBC, so if, if further down the line someone's gone to Peaky Blinders and it's not exactly like this, then, you know, don't call me out on it. Um, but I think, you know, the idea would be, you know, that we want to create people who are associates of the, of, you know, of, of the Shelbys. So, you know, you'll have... You know, you, you might be from a different family. You might have had some dealings in terms of business, but also what might have happened is, you know, Arthur Shelby Senior might have actually, you know, a few a few years ago might have actually robbed your dad of, you know, a couple of grand. So, you know, you've you've, you've got an association, but also you've got, you know, there's a bit of beef there as well. So, and it's something that's um, we're, we're going to ask audience members to wear sort of different color, a sort of coloured signifier to show, you know, what their associations are. So it means the actors in world can kind of go, oh right, okay, you're a Hopkinson, so that means I know that. Um, <laughs> I mean. We can edit this out. <laughs> so, 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 so they will they will know the backstories of different families and different characters, and then can, and can you know can, can try and either convert lure them away from the Shelby to go and do other work because we'll have there's a number of key characters um, in Peaky Blinders. So Sabini is in there, Alfie Solomon's is in there. Um, you know, so, so so they'll they'll all be working their own agendas and trying to influence audience members to you know work to side with them as opposed to side to the to, to side to side to Shelby. So it's be one of those things you can. The whole experience is designed to be, you know, get involved as much as you want to. Um, you know, there'll be, there'll be an awful lot of people who will be fully dressed up, full cosplay, and they will just want to get up and be participating every bit of it and wind up, you know, having an Irish whiskey with Tommy Shelby in the snug. Um, there will be other people who will just be like, do you know what? I'm just, I want to just sit in the garrison and I want a bit with a beer and I'll just sort of watch what happens. Mm. But I don't really, I don't really want to do much more than that. And that's totally fine too. I mean, the whole, the whole experience is, is uh, of, of that and Gatsby and um, Doctor Who is, is designed that your, le your level of participation is completely up to you. And that can be from, you know, 100% full on right up in there to none at all. You know, it's, Amazing. Uh, you sound so excited about the industry right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for where it's you know for where it's going to go um and, and the fact it's coming back I mean I was when the pandemic hit you know I just I just opened Pretty Woman the musical which was a huge success um had sold an awful lot of tickets um and was pretty heartbreaking to go from you know one one day I was at a press night and literally three or it must have been three or four days later we're kind of you know that th that theatre was dark and it's at the time everyone thought you know well it's going to be we'll be off for six weeks or maybe maybe three months you know, but we'll we'll be back by the summer and certainly by the autumn and then of course um yeah the you know we two years happened um and and while the sector has got going again it's 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 had an awful lot of stop starts it's been every show you know over over christmas every show in the west end was either hit by people cancelling because you know they were worried about going out because they wanted to save christmas or you know omicron also tore through the cast and the crew so actually in some cases you know we had it with um a west end production called choir of man which is at the arts theater but we lost I mean, fifty percent of our performances in December just simply because um, of people either having to isolate, um, you know, uh, because they had COVID, um, and we'd also found that because a lot of people have left the industry, that trying to, you know, 
keeping the actors on stage was one thing, um, but actually all the support crews, all the people that you know, the, you know, the lighting, the, the lighting techs and the, you know, the sound operator, all those things, if one of them went down, finding cover was 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 almost impossible. And yeah. and every sh and every show was finding the same thing. So it was a really, you know, just when it thought it should be good again, it you know it was a really as a really faltering start. J January historically is. A bit of a tough time for the West End, just simply because you know everyone's just had Christmas, everyone's feeling a bit poor. The credit card bill's coming in. It's January. It's wet. It's cold. It's dreary. Don't really want to go out. Yeah. Um, so it's only really kind of Feb half term onwards that the sector starts kind of getting a bit more back to normal. So I'm sort of hopeful that we are after two years uh, across every aspect of live entertainment, but certainly for West End theatre, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're on the on the climb out of of those you know a couple of couple of really tough years and we'll be back to you know a, a very a very buoyant and successful west end filled with people from the uk and people from abroad and you know generally getting it back to its usual vibrant exciting dynamic self indeed and full of amazing experiences yes can't, can't wait it's always a pleasure to see you thank you for coming along thank you for taking some time out to join us on this uh, i've really enjoyed that thank you very much yeah likewise thank you for having me and congratulations man thank you very much Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks, the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street Creative production, devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.